This week, Local Matters is about refugees, about migrants and racism. And I'm in our studio with Martin Pinel, a photographer, and with Josh Görens, a.k.a. Bottle Be Delicate, a musician. And they joined their forces to create an exhibition on racism in Luxembourg, which is open until tomorrow in the Cultural Center Cape in Ettelbrook. Hi, Georges et Martine. Hello. I'm happy that you made it here. Um, these are the final days now of your exhibition, your audiovisual exhibition, Voices. It is an exhibition about uh, systemic racism or the consequences of systemic racism. Why would you say is it so important to do this exhibition or to treat this topic? I feel that maybe this is one of the topics and problems that is really one of our time. You know, there was the murder of George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter movement that made this question so important, you know, on, on a world level. And then there was like a European study that's already a bit older. I think it's from 2016 that stated that Luxembourg was one of the countries where the most like 50% of black people and people of color had made uh, racist experiences. So um, I think this is somewhat intriguing in terms of Luxembourg is so rich. There's so much work. It's kind of open minded in terms of we speak four languages. The borders are very open. So why do people feel like this, you know, and I think this was the starting point of making somewhat of a research. And while doing this research, we actually also noticed that there's a lot of things that we might not see as white people, and that there might be a blind spot in our experience. So I think maybe the, the topic shifted in a way that, you know, we saw in statistics, okay, there's systemic racism in Luxembourg. Why is that? Where is this coming from? And then you read about it and you think about it and then you might be at one point coming to the resolution that you might be part of the problem as a white person. So that's weird, you know, when you work on something and then you find out maybe me too, I'm part of a structural problem. And uh, yeah, that's in the end what we were working on, on this in this exhibition, like in how far we also part of the problem, what can we do, uh, what's a responsible way of talking about this topic. Did you in the end treat this uh, notion of, okay, I'm part of the problem, how did you bring it into the exhibition? Well, first of all, we built basically four rooms. And so each room is a different experience, a different way of having your voice heard. And if you step into this world, then if you're a black person, if you're a person of color, if, if you're a white person, you make different experiences based on this background. So, for example, we have a white noise room. So this is also critiquing the way that white people always project their microaggressions onto black people, for example. A more of a personal view that we brought into the exhibition is two témoignages that we did of our own life, basically, how we have this blind spot, basically, and how we contribute to this uh, systemic racism in a very personal way. So it's not only in the rooms that we did, but we also added like a little personal spark to it. Okay, okay. And so in general, how did you tackle this topic? What was your idea on how to transport this message that you want to transport? 
I think that we kind of also noticed in the process that maybe the topic is there first and then the position on that topic is the second step. And then from there onwards, we deducted what are maybe the means also that we that we know, me as a musician, Martin as a photographer, to uh, get the message across, you know, which um, I think the other alternative would have been we say we want to work with video and then we would have done a video about something. But I think in the end, for us, the more logical thing was like to first think, to find maybe the things that we want to say and then to find the appropriate way of expressing it. In the end, we made uh, some videos, some sound installations and pictures. And I think the multimedia part of the exhibition also makes it, it did allow us to take different perspectives, you know, on a more universal level of saying like, this is the problem and on a more personal level. Like, I think it is already a big step, even if it sounds paradoxical, that you are aware of your own racist behaviors that you might have, you know, things you were born into, things that seem to be the norm for you, but might not be the norm for other people. And already by acknowledging this, which is a big step, because none of us wants to be wants to speak of yourself as I am racist. You know, obviously, this is a bit like, uh, it feels strange to say this. But on the other hand, we all grew up in a context in a society that might teach us some behaviors that have some some implications towards a r racially unjust uh, system. And this is how we were working, you know, first finding like, what do we actually want to say and then trying to, to express it. It was a long process, actually, because uh, it's never over either the process. And we did a bunch of research. And in the end, you feel like it will never end, you know. And if it doesn't end for us as research, then how do people feel that actually like experience this? But is this something that you were aware of before starting the research for this exhibition or was it kind of a learning process? Obviously, I wasn't surprised that there's racism in Luxembourg. You know this, you know, the world is not always a beautiful place and there's also a lot of people who are, um, who are just mean. But when you dig deeper, you know, you are also aware that there's very subtle things that you do on a daily basis that might be hurtful for people of color and black people. So maybe maybe this was w what happened, you know, that at, at the beginning you're on a more abstract level or you might also go in there with like the feeling of like, I want to help, I want to do something good, you know. And then it's strange when you find out, well, maybe I'm not really helping here with what I'm doing, you know. And then, yeah, and then you think, what's then the right way to do it? Yeah, I think the, the fact that we did this there needs to be a follow-up on it and so like having someone critique it someone who's more concerned with the topic is very important in in this work because otherwise i think the exhibition wouldn't be able to to work at all because you know it's us talking and we need other people to participate and to critique what we have done and how we have used this blind spot and how we have put things on display and yeah so and um maybe more um, down-to-earth level. So all this uh, racism talk, of course, is always a very abstract thing. How have you transmitted this? With whom have you talked? And what are you showing in this exhibition, actually? 
so I'll just take the photo rooms. Um, so basically, uh, it's an installation as well. So there's four rooms that have, be, have been built and each room represents a different reality. Uh, and then the four rooms are connected by uh, portraits that uh, I took. And then we have the room reflections, for example, which is a photo project that we did together with Lili Unden, which is the immigrant and refugee center in Limpertsburg, and also with Hariko in Ettelburg. And so we basically gave people disposable cameras and told them to capture their view of Luxembourg. So this is a different reality than, than Georges and I, for example, see. And the fun part is that you didn't know what photos were going to come out. So we curated the room. A lot of cameras had similar photos, you know, and it was actually kind of an interesting process to put everything together. And so it basically shows the reality of Luxembourg uh, in these reflections. And was and there any, like, what was a part of this view, of this perspective that you didn't expect that maybe surprised you? Yes, there, there was. So it was very cohesive as well. So we basically put it into different categories, uh, like a category of hope, a category of more of a daily reality. And it just fit perfectly together, you know. Uh, without wanting to. And there was also a lot of people, the reason why we called it re reflections is because a lot of people took photos of reflections, like literally like window reflections and they shot through the windows or self-portraits in, in the mirror or something like that. And so a lot of people did that. So that's surprising that these reflections came back all the time. And then also some topics, like some, some visuals came back. But yeah, they all fit very perfectly into different categories. Um, so then the second room, the, the second more photo room, but also with video, is a room of Mao, who was a student of mine at the École Nationale pour Adultes. And we're showing a five-minute video of one episode, I'd say, of his life because he's from Sudan and he made it all the way to Luxembourg and lots of things have happened on his journey, like him being enslaved, his village being destroyed, him not knowing if his mother is still alive. And we're showing the episode between his life in, in Africa and his life in Europe, which is when he was trying to escape by sea from Libya. And then when they got on the boat and when they went out to the, the sea, the, the motor stopped. And so they were completely trapped in the sea and couldn't do anything. And they got uh, rescued by the Italian Coast Guard. Yeah, that's a video that you can see. And it's accompanied by photos that I've taken of him over the past year. We've met up periodically to, yeah, to document his life. And so the photos, they also show a certain journey. So that's the two photo rooms. And then I'll, I'll let Georges explain the, um, the sound installation, please. <laughs> yeah, there's two other rooms. One of the rooms is called Voices. And we were working together with music collective Klangkeller, who's also part of FinKP, who's an anti-racist organization in Luxembourg. And they improvised singing on the words Escuchame, which means listen to me. And then we took this recording and we went to different spaces and we re-recorded them. So basically we played them through a speaker and re-recorded with microphones in order to capture the resonances of the room itself. And for us, that was metaphorically a way of showing that 
sometimes, even though it's the same voice, they are not amplified in the same way by the space Luxembourg. And that this space that we sometimes consider to be a neutral one, but there are very subtle uh, structures in this room that might give better chances to someone than to another. For example, me with a Luxembourgish background, Luxembourgish family name, white skin, there are sometimes doors that open more easily for me. And that was kind of a metaphorical way of saying this. And I think also when you're inside of the room, you really make this experience of like voices that are constantly changing, but actually the voices are not really changing, but there's something else that's changing that's very difficult to grasp. And then um, the last room uh, is the white noise room that Martin mentioned before. So white noise is um, something that we have in, in music, but also in videos. It's like this, this static noise, you know, it's basically a frequency like shh. And um, for us, it was the exploration of like, what could this term mean um, when we would now analyze white noise on a social level. And the idea was basically um, by reading books that we we sometimes, as white people, we are speaking for everyone, you know, like if we take the example of the hair, like the shampoos we use, this is just like the normal shampoo, but they are just normal shampoo if you have the hair structures that we have. And sometimes it can be very hurtful if you always refer to white people as the norm and basically we say this shampoo for everyone but no it's not for everyone you know there's some people who are not included in this you know and this is now a very easy example but I think you take the sum of all of these experience in your everyday life where every time you are considered as a black person to be the other of the white you know and this is the norm and you always need to live up to standards that not, might not be yours that this is a very, very tiring experience in everyday life. And we were working together there with like a dancer, Leticia de Nascimento, and she was dancing for 10 minutes constantly. And capoeira is not only a dance, but also like martial arts sport. So it's super tiring. And she was really like, really showing in her dance, like how tiring it is if you have this white noise background all the time to keep dancing and keep, you know, and you always... It looked a little bit as she was like trying to, you know, escape like all the all the yeah, the little microaggressions that that at the end of the day she's experiencing. So, yeah, I think this also like an experience if you're in there and you see this big video of her like dancing and you hear this just annoying noise, then you kind of feel maybe maybe for white people it is a way of experiencing at least a little bit what it can be like uh, on a daily basis as a black person in Luxembourg. Okay. I guess this is something we could talk about forever. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, still don't have any solution. It's kind of desperate, <laughs> I think. So maybe one um, last question from me. Um, what was for you the biggest challenge in the preparation of this exhibition on an emotional level or on a, I don't know, a more practical level? I think there's multiple challenges that we had. Narrowing things down is one of them because there's so much that needs to be talked about. And then just to make it very clear, you know, was, was one of the problems. And then, as I mentioned before, the ongoing research, because it's never done. You can read more, you can talk to more people, you can, yeah, try to get more and more familiar with the topic, but it's never done. And also just being aware that we're two white people doing this. 
because it is not something we experience and we're talking about it. So that also, you know, didn't help with the narrowing down and uh, yeah, made it difficult at times that, that we were kind of not sure how to approach things, you know. So we did our best, I think, and it's up to everyone to maybe experience the exhibition and, and see if it was a bit successful or not. I think for me, the maybe the most difficult part was that until the very end, I wasn't sure if it was a good idea to do it in the first place. And uh, we would have had other options, you know, like there would have been the way of like just curating, of just asking black artists in Luxembourg to take this space. That would have been an option. In the end, yeah, we took decisions and now we also, it's now there and now it can be, it's up for discussion. But I think this was for me really the, the toughest part. Is the wide perspective in the topic racism one that should be heard? Because we are definitely in it. We are definitely part of the problem. So is this perspective one also that, that should be heard or should there be no more talking and more just like make space for representation of black artists? In that case, I think that, you know, we kind of didn't live up to that standard. We said a lot. We tried to talk a lot about our perspective. We tried to share the space in some cases, but I think that was in the end maybe one of the biggest struggles in the whole thing. Well then, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck uh, with the last days of your exhibition. Thank you. Yes. That was Georges Gürens and Martin Pinel on Local Matters. They told us about their exhibition Voices, which is open until tomorrow at Kape in Ettelbrück. So take some time to go see the exhibition. And you can, of course, re-listen to this Local Matters interview on rcityradio.com.